You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about a strange reader phenomenon. When your opinion about a book changes over time, it happens, it's documented, we have proof. Uh, We're also (laughs) recommending summer books and listing the books that define our own bookshelves. Wow. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. And our book selves. And our book selves. Yes, that's right. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I finished uh, the second graphic novel in a series called Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter. Or it's a Count Crowley series, and this one is called Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter. Um, it's one I read a couple years back. It's by David Desmouchen. Um, the illustration is by Lucas Kettner. I'm a big fan of his work. I really loved this first one. Basically, it's about... This uh, woman, Jerry, who's sort of a, um, uh, she's a recovering alcoholic, and she ends up hosting, like, this late-night creature feature thing in her hometown, in this small town in Missouri. And um, uh, and then, of course, what happens is that it turns out there are creatures featuring. Not really, but there are creatures and and monsters, and she has to fight <laughs> Creatures them. out there featuring. And this one particularly has this this um this run in um this is the second book in the series, the second uh uh, uh graphic novel, and um this one it has a big werewolf aspect to it. But it's it's very fun. I really enjoyed it when I talked about it the last time. Uh, this is this is fun. It has like additional fun stuff in it. Um, yeah, it's a good time. What, what about you? What are you reading? I am reading a very big, buzzy book in the way that it is very buzzy and it is very big. It is a honker. Uh-huh. Um, but it is, uh, I think it's going to be one of the top, like most exciting talked about books of the year. It's Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez and it's translated by Megan McDowell. It is illustrated by Pablo Gerardo Camacho. So there is, there's illustrations. It's a big honker. It is like a Big, sprawling horror book. It is an absolute blast. I picked it up because Paul Tremblay said it was like one of the best books of the century or something. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, if Paul thinks that about this book, then I got to check it out. And the book starts, it's this father and son and... From go, you know, they are rushing. They're like trying to get out of the house. They're going somewhere. You don't know what's happening. Uh, You know, the mother has died recently and the father is like trying to get the boy to travel somewhere. Uh, And you slowly start to find out that not only does the father have some sort of magical necromantic powers, but the mother did too. And the son might also have it. And, um, Basically what happened, they are, they're traveling to the mom's ancestral home um, and they're taken by surprise by the fact that uh, she had a big legacy that they did not know about, that her family uh, is part of something called the Order and they are, are like this weird magical cult and they do all these weird things trying to find immortality uh, and the hmm. son and the father have to figure out how to get out of this Um and while while they're trying to get towards the mother's um, ancestral home, every night the father does this like weird magical spell to try to contact her from beyond the grave because that's like one of his powers is that it's like very easy for him to talk to the dead and to be in the land of the dead, but he can't find her. And he has no like, mm. he's very, he's not just 
grieving because his wife has died, but he's grieving because he can't get in touch with her. And it's the first time that's ever happened to him, that he can't contact someone from beyond the grave. So you're trying to figure out what happened to her, what hap- what's going on with her family, what's going to happen to her, her kid and her husband. And it also, I haven't got that far in the book yet, but it goes back and forth in time from like modern day to the 1960s, to the 1970s. And it's like all over the world, all different time periods. It's just like a big sprawling honker in it. But the writing is amazing. I will warn people though, something I texted Bria about a few days ago is that there are different parts of the book um, for the different time periods. But within those parts, there's no chapters. There's no, only page breaks. Like the chapter just is like a hundred pages long. And at first I was like, I had to like look ahead and I was like, it it took me a minute to like get my brain around that and like adjust my reading expectations. You know what I mean? Um, But once you just, just, so just a heads up for that. Um, But honestly, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. This might be one of the the biggest, buzziest horror books of the year. Uh, So that's Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez. It's translated by Megan McDowell. By the way, I was talking to someone last night and they were reading that book. They were like, they they said they had just gotten it. Um, so it definitely is a buzzy book. Mine is Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter Count Crowley Number 2 by David S. Mountain uh, and Lucas Kettner uh, did the illustrations. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We have a cozy reading nook tip from Vanessa. I recently moved and I have a good size walk-in closet I could never fill with usual closet stuff. So I turned half of it into my little library, including a cozy reading spot. I have a few small bookcases in there and more books stacked up on the shelves in the closet. I put some black curtains up on the clothing rods and I have a few floor pillows and reading pillows as well. There is even an AC slash heat vent in the closet so I can stay cool or warm in there. I currently use a throw blanket as well and if I'm really cold, I will bring in a heat pad to keep me extra toasty. That is a hot home reading like tip. This sounds like a giant walk- closet. This sounds huge. Got a walk-in closet? Turn it into a reading nook. I love that. That is really cool. Wow. That sounds... Wow. What a good use of space there. And in my head, it's massive, but maybe it's not massive because I'm like, bookcases? That's huge. Sophie wrote in and said, Hello, I discovered your podcast a few months ago by hearing about it from Tom Merritt's podcast. It is great content, and I'm excited to see it pop up on my up next list. Yay. Um, I recently listened to your episode about keeping track of the book you read and wanted to share how I do it. I've been keeping track of my reading in the same notebook since 2011. I write down the date, the name of the author, book title, and series, and give it a rating of five stars. Despite reading around 100 books a year, uh, each year, I've only used one-third of the notebook. Thank you for talking about Justina Island's Dread Nation, by the way. I devoured it in its sequel in about a week, and it's now one of my favorite reads of this year. Keep doing this wonderful podcast. Sophie from Quebec. Love that. And thank you for for uh, discovering us from Tom Marin. Yeah, friend of the show and our our current tech correspondent of reading reading tech. <laughs> uh, and then we got some really wonderful feedback from Kelsey, who said, "I felt this absolute flood of joy listening to the best books of the year episode today, and it got me wondering what it is about reading glasses that makes me so happy. I think I've pinned it down finally." Oh, Bria, you want to read the rest of this because it's a it's a y'all. Sure. The thing about reading glasses, y'all focus on books that you either love or are still deciding on. It's always positive and enthusiastic. It's never like, here's how broken and miserable the book industry is, which is not to say that y'all ignore the tough things because you don't, but your goal is not to point out everything wrong with the world as opposed to, say, Twitter. I'm also reading Stolen Focus after (laughs) Bria recommended it, and I'm really thinking about the inherent value systems uh, in the things I participate in. There's a section in that book where he explains what the inherent values on various social medias, and I think that's what I love about reading glasses, the inherent values. 
You'll clearly value books and book culture and bettering yourselves while still having a good time. I guess I'm just really appreciative appreciative that this wonderful podcast has stayed so wonderful for so many years. Thankful for y'all and your energy in the world. That's so sweet. This is, I, I saved this for right before our 300th episode comes out. Our 300th episode is coming out in two weeks. Yeah. And one, we know, we know Kelsey. Kelsey's been a Glasgow for a long time. Just a wonderful, wonderful person uh, and a youth pastor. So Kelsey's out there spreading the bookish, bookish joy to, to kids, which is amazing. But uh, it, it's just really great to see how uh, the show affects people and has affected people over the past 300 episodes. And we we really love when we get emails like this for people who just appreciate what we're trying to do and appreciate the show and have it affect their lives in a positive way. And God. that's all we're trying to do out here, and, folks. And we're I, just trying to make, make make your reading life better, make the bookish world a little bit better. And I appreciate the, the comment on the positivity because we do try to say com- positive. I was like trying to find, this is a tangent, but I was trying to find a book, uh, no, a podcast about a particular movie and I found one and it was all, the whole podcast was these people talk about movies they hate. And I listened to it and I was like, what a horrible, this makes me so sad. Like it was so hard for me to listen to because I was like, look, I don't, obviously I hate some things, you know, but I don't want to listen to a whole podcast about it. And I definitely don't want to do a podcast about it. Anyway, no. So yes, I don't want to waste positive. my time on stuff that I don't like. Yes, yeah, staying positive is definitely part of the reading glasses uh, motto ethos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Quick bookmark to thank the glassers who came out to see Bria on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so fun. Uh, yeah, I'm on Go Fact Yourself. Um, when this comes out, I think it's next week. Um, and it was super fun. There's a crazy surprise guest. Y'all are going to be so excited to hear. There's a super fun surprise guest that, that uh, Mallory told them to book, which is very, I was super surprised. The look on my face, hopefully they got some photos because I am looking. <laughs> I know, I was looking the... on their, I was like looking on their Instagram and their Twitter, hoping someone had posted a picture. There was a professional ref- photographer there. Out. So there's a photographer doing stuff. Yeah, it was super fun. Um, and um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away because like the whole thing is that, you know, it's a secret about what I had to answer questions about. Um, but it was really fun. And um, yeah, thanks to all the glassers that came out. It was super fun meeting y'all. So check that out. Uh, we'll put a, uh, if it comes out by the time this episode comes out, I'll put a link in the show notes. It, no, it to, comes out uh, during the Max Fun Drive, yeah. so it'll be next week. Oh, okay. Well, check go go check out Go Fact Yourself uh, during the drive and and hear uh, Bria's uh, the competition, I guess, yes. of, of trivia. See if Bria wins or not. Uh, so before we talk about changing book opinions, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Green Chef. Y'all know we love Green Chef. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone here. You can switch between the brands and you can use the discount from us at both brands. But okay, Green Chef. Y'all know about it, but I'm going to tell you about it again. It's the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. That's right. These dinners, they're going to work. They're clocking in for you. They're doing healthy stuff for you. They're giving you good, healthy lifestyle choices. These dinners are working for you. So get these delicious, easy-to-follow recipes that support your healthy lifestyle. And hey, you know what? They taste good too. And 
Look, this is not limited to like three meals. You can do all sorts of stuff here. You can double portions in your weekly order if there's a recipe you really love. You can also go to the Green Market, which is a place where you can get quick breakfasts, brunch kits, and wholesome lunches, and more. You can easily just add all these to your weekly order. Green Chef is great. Y'all know we love it. It's quick. It comes to your house. I love anything delivered to my house. You'll know this about me. You know that I want things ready to go for me. I don't want to come home and be like, oh, no, what am I going to make for dinner? Do I have this? Do I have this? Guess what? You have it all with Green Chef. They're going to send what you want. And also, I'm a high-maintenance eater. I have a lot of dietary restrictions, and Green Chef caters to all of those things. So go to greenchef.com glasses60 and use code glasses60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash glasses60 and code glasses60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Y'all, that, that is a great deal. So go to Green Chef today. Glasses. Do you want raw security? Free beef and dairy all day. Max Fun Drive. Hey, chef, we got another one. Another Max Fun Drive. People know it's the best time to support the shows they love. You tell them our meetup day is back? Sure did. They wanted to know about the live streams, though. Those are finishing up right now. We can even send one out on the first night, March 20th. March 20th, Chef! I'll give them a heads up. Uh, they also wanted the limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members. Yep, and we got some fresh episodes ready to go, too. Hot stuff coming All right, we got exciting live streams, meetup day, fresh episodes, limited time gifts. Oh, and Boca. Yeah, um, okay, let them know that Max Fun Drive 2023 will be ready on um, March 20th, and it'll only be two weeks. Two weeks, Chef! Max Fun Drive starts on March 20th for just two weeks. No problem. Order up! Shoot, I forgot their water. This week, we're talking about something really interesting that sometimes happens to readers. You finish reading a book and you either love it or hate it or feel neutral about it. Then maybe the next day or the next week or the next month, you realize you feel totally differently. Why does this happen and what do you do when it does? Bria, first off, does this ever happen to you? For sure. Yes, absolutely. There's books I'm like loving while reading it. I'm telling people about it. I'm like, oh, you got to check this book out. And then I stopped reading it and I couldn't even tell you what it was about. Like, I don't even I don't think about that book again. <laughs> and then there are ones that I, at the time, I'm like, I don't know if I really like it. But then I can't stop thinking about the subject matter or something after I put them down. It's weird what sticks with you. And it makes me, oh, it's not what you think it's going to be. And there's it's just, that has been like a weird thing, phenomenon, because especially during the show, we talk about books every week, and there are books I talk about that I love, and then later I'm like, ah, I haven't thought about that book since I talked about it on the show. Um, also, I think there's this phenomenon, when I am when I was younger, there are books that I just super loved, and I was like, this, this is the defining book of my life, and now I feel kind of, <laughs> kind of mad about it when I think about it, or I'll reread it and feel mm -hmm. mad about it. What about you? Does it happen to you? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I wouldn't say all the time, but maybe a few times a year. And it happens in both directions, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I've finished a book and loved it. And then a few days later, I realized I don't like it as much. Mm -hmm. Or I will hate a book. And then a week later, realize that I'm still fucking thinking about it. Yeah. And I have to begrudgingly admit that there's parts of it that are really good or at least really powerful and well done. Or I wouldn't still be thinking about it. Mm -hmm. 
so Bria, why do you think this happens? Okay, so I think for long-term ones, like the ones you read when you were, like, younger or at least, like, more than a year ago and you aren't as into anymore, like, maybe a couple years ago, you know, you read to them and you're like, this book mm-hmm. is me, you know? Uh, I think it's that people change. Like, I think it's as simple as that. Our opinions change, what's interesting to us, what challenges us. All of that changes, right? Books about people in their 20s, they may not hit as hard for you when you're 40 because you're just thinking about different things. And it's okay to change. I've said it on the show a million times. I hope you change. I hope you grow. I hope you grow as a person. I hope you grow as a reader. I hope I'm growing as a person. There are things that felt really important to me when I was 20 that feel less important to me now. Um, And so that means that, you know, that there are things that I'm not going to like as much. Um, I don't think you have to burn all your books, you know, that you think aren't good, or even the books that you think are problematic. We've talked about that on the show. It just means maybe you've moved on to things that don't reflect who you are now. That's my opinion about the long-term ones. Um, what, I think that's 100% yeah? correct. Yeah, what do you think? For me, personally, this happens sometimes because I read so fucking fast. Okay, these that, are not for I'm the I'm talking long, about in the short term. The short-term ones, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the long-term ones, I think you're 100% correct, is we just change as people. For short-term... I think it's because I read really fast. So what happens to me is I will devour a book in one sitting and I will be racing to the end so fast that I'm not picking up on like every single thematic detail. Uh, I'm just running purely off like emotions and whatever, like whatever is is, ha- is happening in the book. I'm terrified. I'm excited. I'm nervous, whatever it is. Um, and then once the dust settles a little, sometimes I'll think about the book a little bit more and realize that I don't know maybe there are a big bunch of plot holes that I didn't notice mm. that'll make me make, like the book less or I'll think about it more and some things will click that I was wondering about and I'll be like, oh shit, I mm. love that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it happens for me personally. I would be interested to know if this also happens to other fast readers. Why else do you think this happens? Yeah, I don't think that's a problem for me because I just am not a speed reader for the most part unless like I'm having to read something for work or something. <laughs> um, uh, but... I think for, okay, I'm going to go back to the ones like, for ones that I liked while reading, but then never thought about again. I think maybe the ideas weren't hitting for me as hard as I thought they were. You know, like, I I think there are things that like, if there are ideas that stuck with me, and it's going to be like these books that have big themes or big, or take big swings on, and this is for me specifically, because, you know, I love something that's like, here's a wild idea, and I'm putting it in a book. I've talked a little bit about that book, Chain Gang All-Stars. That stuck with me quite a bit, and I've talked about it quite a bit, and I'm bringing it up in conversation. And it's books like that where I'm, like, bringing bringing them up, I'm recommending them to people. And that's how I think that what happens is these big themes kind of carry on, and if the book doesn't have these big themes, a lot of times they're not carrying on for me. And it doesn't mean their themes they can be personal for the person, right? It can be about the person mm-hmm. who is reading the book. It's not about, not every theme is going to hit someone. Someone's going to be like, I only love books about found family. This found family books are going to stick with me. Whereas another person's like, no, I'm. it has to be religion or whatever. So I think it's when the themes stick with you, those are those books that are going to kind of change your mind a little bit. It's the ones that are like, maybe they didn't hit as hard when you're reading, but something about them stuck with you. Or maybe these books, they had great prose, you were interested while you're reading, but they didn't have some big theme that stuck with you. So I'm going to say themes is my theory here, that there's something about that book thematically, some big statement it's making that stuck with you. And it didn't matter how good the book was because that thing that they were trying to make came across. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it, it gives it more longevity where it was a book that doesn't have that. You're going to look back on it like a month later and be like, eh, yeah, what well, was that? About? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What else do you think um, is a reason that people's reading opinions change? One thing I think can trigger it, at least again for me, is when a book leaves things open ended or doesn't answer the questions that I want to be answered. So this is on the other side of things. Okay. So this is when you forget about you're like later like I don't like this book. No, no, other other way around. This is when you read a book and you're like, I don't really like that, and then you think about Mm. it more and you're like, wait, shit, I loved that. Okay. Um Two great examples are two books I fucking love. In the Woods by Tana French and Empire Wild by Cherie Demeline. Um, two books I've talked about on the show a ton. In the Woods doesn't answer a big question that is in the book. And Empire Wild leads, leaves the end of the book pretty open-ended. And at first, you know, I'm racing to the end. And I all I want to know, because I'm a plot reader, all I want to know, I want these questions answered. I want to know what happened. And I got to the end of those books and I was like, well, what the fuck? I want to know. <laughs> but once I sat and died, digested them for a while I was like holy shit I love these Mm. books that's how it would happen with me and I know it's interesting because I know some other classers had the same experience with Empire of Wild where they were they wanted they like it left the end is open-ended and or I guess I should say the end is open um but and you're like you're kind of like it's like that it's like that same feeling when you step down at the end of a staircase and you're expecting another stair to be there and you're like whoa the floor it's like jarring <laughs> you know what i mean um and i know some other or are you drinking ex- a, wa- a sprite you think it's gonna be sprite but then it's water i don't remember do you oh. and you think you're about to get a sprite and then it's water and you're like no <laughs> no Ugh, fuck horrible, water horrible. um <laughs> although i do drink probably five gallons of water every day yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, maybe i'm the opposite I, I i get i get spray and i'm sad that it's not water um but it's that same feeling and i know a lot of other glassers had that experience where they felt that and then like a week later they were they thought and thought about that book and couldn't stop thinking about it and we're like oh my god i love this so i think for me a lot of it, is, it and i think for some glassers as well it's it's all about how it feels in the moment when you finish it and whether or not uh, that feeling changes over the next, you know, few days or a week. Um, you know, and sometimes that just, ha- maybe it's for reading speed, maybe it's just the type of reader you are. But uh, a, a lot of times, uh, just the ex- that the experience of getting to the end and maybe it's the expectations you had for that book as well. If they don't meet them immediately, you can get grumpy. But then after a while and you let it, let the book sit in your brain for a minute, you're like, wait a minute, this is actually good, you know? Yeah. So what do you do when this happens, whether it's long term, short term, should you change your rating in your book journal? Say you read a book and you absolutely love it. And then a week later, you're like, "Nah, this maybe wasn't as good as I thought. Do you go back and change? Um, I don't. Mostly because I think I wouldn't remember to do that. But I so I usually try to rate it really quickly in my book journal because I think about I I don't want to like process it I kind of want to do it like immediately like okay this is what I'm thinking about now um so I don't ever I don't I don't um but I think there's something some value to that immediate reaction and it's interesting to go back and look especially at the end of the year when I'm like okay what are my top books of the year and then I look and I'm like I gave this book an A plus but I have not talked about (laughs) it thought about it mentioned it recommended it nothing for a full year then I'm like okay obviously this didn't end up being an A plus I'm not changing it but it's interesting to reflect on things like that that's what mostly the book journals serves as uh what about you are you going back and 
getting out an eraser and deleting? <laughs> no, uh, but what I do, because of my fast reader reactions, I've actually delayed my book tracking. Ah. Uh, so what I do now is I give it 24 hours before I put a book in my book buddy in my print book journal. Um, it helps me get a more accurate assessment of the book if I give it a day. Um, I used to immediately rate my books, like literally finish, put a book down, pick the book buddy up immediately. Oh. But again, sometimes in 24 hours, the dust needs to settle a little bit. Um, you know, if I had finished Empire of Wild and rated it immediately, it would have been like maybe a four star book. And then the next day I was like, um, what am I doing? This is a one of my favorite books of the year. And I gave it a five stars, hmm. which it, and it it remains a five star book. I guess it should be clear that like it takes me like 24 hours to do it. But I think of that as immediate because I'm like I usually I'm reading in, oh. in bed. I'm not going to get up and from like and yeah. turn on all the lights and start reading things. So it's about 24 hours anyway. Um, I'm just saying I'm not going Bria back in later. Her, in a little nightcap. Yeah, yeah. Going through the house with a candle. I to gotta rate book. this book. <laughs> I gotta do it. No, like <laughs> definitely not doing that. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm giving 24 hours, but I'm not going like weeks later and then being like, how did I feel about that book? I do think it would be different if I did. I do think if I, if I rated something like two weeks later, it would have probably a much different rating. But I do feel like my immediate reaction is a pretty honest reaction. Well, it, at least at that moment it is. But how it withstands the test of time, we won't know for a long, I guess, till time happens. <laughs> I do want to say that I think that the feelings that you are left with with a book definitely should be part of your rating mm -hmm. because that feeling that you get immediately from a book, like I, I, something I see a lot is some people are like, oh, well, I didn't like that book. There were plot holes, blah, blah, blah. But the other people are like, yeah, but I was, I left that book feeling so satisfied and really happy or excited or whatever it is. And I do think that immediate feeling that you are left with should be part of the equation of what you are thinking about with the book, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and even if it does change, you know, if a book can leave you feeling happy or satisfied, even if later on, um, you decide, you know what, eh, this doesn't, it's not really sticking with me, the experience of reading it was enough for you to feel good. So, you know, if that should be part of, of your of your rating system. And, you know, if two weeks later you realize that the book isn't sticking with you, I agree with you, Brie. I don't think you should go back and change it because the experience of, of getting through it made you rate it a four or five stars or A or B or whatever it, whatever it is you're giving it. Um, and I think that counts as well because that's part of being, of what being an author is, is the feeling that you leave a reader with at the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think both, I mean, obviously just both, experiences are valid it's just that one involves the test of time and uh and that's pretty interesting i think to to think about how yeah. it's how it's different yeah so you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we recommend some summer books we're going to take a quick break reading glasses is sponsored in part this week by microdose so, you know, we've talked about microdosing on the show. You've heard us talk about it. If not, if you haven't heard it, just know all sorts of people are microdosing. There's probably, look next to you. That person's probably microdosing. They're doing it to feel healthier and perform better. And today, our show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry level of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. So, y'all know we like these. 
This is something you can take to get in the zone, to get creative, to help you wind down at night, sleep like a baby. I have a lot of trouble sleeping, so that is something really appealing to me. I know people will take it to get really creative when they want to get like, oh, I want to like make stuff. Microdosing, it is a great way to start. If you are a terminal multitasker, microdose gummies can help slow you down. It's a really great way. You can put that phone down. It can actually help you be very present. They can help you sink into the book that you're reading. Maybe you want to do that. This is a great way to get you to focus or take in the beauty around you. Maybe when you're on a hike, maybe when you're just like, oh, I love this person that I'm with. It can really help you to focus. So guess what? Microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code GLASSES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com, code GLASSES. GLASSES. And now, a live reading from Rachel's Poetry Corner. Elephants Theremin's Clifton, Neopets Poorstrips Jepson, Pine Smell Jellybeans Goalie Goals, Skittles Squirrels and the Mole, Celery Chopsticks Pumpernickel, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell, Lullabies Tie-Dye The More You Know, all of these things on our wonderful show. All these things and more wait for you on Wonderful every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Marissa writes in, Hi, Brian Mallory. Looking for more book recommendations in the specific literary mood I call Lazy Destination <laughs> Summers. The setup of a protagonist spending their summer in a quiet foreign town or countryside. The genre doesn't matter once they are there. Bonus points for descriptive language about laying next to a cool lake in the hot sun. <laughs> Examples include Call Me By Your Name by Andre Asiman, Women by Mihail Sebastian and A Fatal Inversion by Barbara Vine is a mystery thriller iteration. Nonfiction and memoirs can also apply. Bria, what is your Lazy Destination Summer book? I had so much trouble with this. I realized I don't read that many lazy books. My protagonists, they have goals. They have goals. They're there to achieve them. <laughs> They're like, I was like, oh, the word for woman is wilderness. Like she's she's running around, but first of all, it's cold. Second of all, she's got a major goal. There's not la nothing lazy about it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to come back to two. There's one I really wanted to recommend, but I could not remember if it took place in the summer or the winter. I think it is summer. And it's The Third Hotel by Laura Vandenberg, which is, is a mystery that takes place in Havana, in Havana. Um, and it's about... A woman who goes and she's lost her husband to an accident, I believe. And then she randomly see, thinks she sees him. Um, and it becomes this like sort of mystery, but it's very like lulling. I can't think of another word to describe it, but that kind of like a lulling mystery, like very like um, reality is blurring, like things are not what they seem. Uh, so it's kind of that. It's not so relaxing. I kept coming back to book people. Mallory, what do you think about that? It's not foreign. Yeah. But it is a but, small she, town. I will say. Sleepy town. Doesn't her new one take place in the in Maine in the summer as well? Uh, so maybe, maybe Emily Henry is a good good writer for this. I think, uh, yeah. Classer. I do think, like, if Marissa likes romance, which, I mean, obviously you like a little romance. Um, the book, book People is an interesting one because it is, like, 
sleepy small town. Um, and like, there is some goals, there are some working, but it's like exploring the small town. There literally is definitely a pond or a lake or something that they get in at some point. And it's, you know, it's like not a ton happens, but it's about her and this guy sort of falling, starting to fall for each other. Um, so I feel like that could fall into it, even though it's not foreign or, I mean, depending on where you are, I don't know where you're writing from, but, um, but it is like, it may feel like a foreign place if you're from New York City or something, which is what, where the protagonist <laughs> is from. Uh, what about you, Mallory? I feel like you have something probably more specific for this. No, I will say I put this request in this particular episode because for me, it is the most miserable time of year. We're recording this in February, the mm-hmm. worst month possible. Sorry to all the February birthdays out there. But actually, no, we're recording into March. But March and February are the worst, worst months of the year for me. We are currently in a blizzard that we've been in a blizzard for weeks up on the mountain, we are working on our third foot of snow. Uh, it is terrible. And all I want to do is to be lazy next to a lake in the hot sun. Oh, boy. So perfect time to escape into a summer book. Um, and I'm going to recommend a graphic novel called This One Summer by Mariko and Jillian Tamaki. Uh, it's about a family who travels to a summer lake house in Ontario, Canada. And the teenage main character and her friend find themselves growing up and figuring out some family secrets during the summer. Uh, and I picked it. Because out of every summer book I've ever read, it really captures the sensory moments of summer. And it seems like that's something that this glasser is really looking for. Like uh, Marissa really wants like that feeling of being in summer and like swimming in a lake, the sound of a grill being scraped, you know, mosquitoes buzzing around. The descriptive language and the art about summer in it are just top notch. And I think that's going to give Marissa really what, what, what she's looking for here. So that's This One Summer by Mariko and Jillian Tamaki. Yeah, I'm saying check out Emily Henry, but also um, The Third Hotel, uh, which, again, I don't know if it's winter or summer, so I hope it's summer. Uh, it's by Laura Vandenberg. If you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. This week, that listener is me. <laughs> <laughs> So after we did that episode about... (laughs) Very funny to me. Surprise. It's me. So after we did that episode recently about your bookshelf reflecting your identity, I thought it would be really fun to see what books we would choose to make a shelf that represented us as readers. Um, I just don't know why. I kept thinking about it and I was like, I want to do this. It'll be really fun. So Bria, what if you could pick a bookshelf... One little small bookshelf that would reflect you as a reader, you as a person, what would your books be? Mallory, this question was very hard. I woke up in the middle of the night and changed two answers on it. Like, what's <laughs> going on that I had trouble with this? I think it's I don't love being defined or put into a box. And so this was, like, very difficult for me. Um, although I do feel like picking, you know, five to ten books. I think you picked ten, so I also picked ten. Um it, that could be a really good challenge for the Reading Glasses Challenge, um, books that represent you. Oh, we should do that next year. Yeah. But people, I mean, like even five. I literally good. just changed one of mine right now. I, it's, it's hard to choose. Listen, it's so hard. Okay, I, mean, I have a reasoning, but I won't get into, I'm not going to keep everyone here for the next three hours explaining all this, but I am going to give a brief explanation, okay? First of all, Every Heart of Doorway by Sean and McGuire, because it represents novellas, which I love. It represents mm-hmm. tour books I love, and it represents um, Shauna McGuire, who I love, and like and like YA sort of um, uh, speculative fiction, right? With that has like a trope and does something with a trope that um, that is new and interesting. That's something I really love. 
Uh, Parable of the Sober by Octavia Butler. No explanation needed there. Um, some sort of X-Factor Investigations omnibus from the Peter David years. This is like a very important era for me. Still is. I reread it recently. I love it. It's such a, I, I can't pick just one of them. So I'm saying like some sort of compendium or something. Uh, I'm going God Country by Donnie Cates, um, uh, which is- Oh yeah, you love this comic. A comic that made me cry. And I needed, I wanted to have a graphic novel on there that wasn't just Marvel um, because I do love- graphic novels that are not taking the not traditional, like it's not just Spider-Man. It's not just, um, you know, X-Men. It's, it's whatever. This is like an entirely new idea. And I just really loved this book. Um, I'm going Southern Book Club's Guide to Slang Vamp- Vampires by Grady Hendrix because um, I wanted a horror one on there, but also one that had mm-hmm. took place in the South, which I like, um, that and took place in the 90s. Lots of things I love. Um, Recursion by Blake Crouch because I needed a good solid sci-fi that's our world but different, uh, which is what Recursion is. Um, Dread Nation by Justina Ireland because it has YA speculative fiction, historical speculative fiction, which we have decided is one of my things. Um, Mm -hmm. I changed something to Unlikely Animals, which was a book you and I both loved because I do love literary fiction when it hits those notes that really get me going. And that was a book that just... I don't know. I just loved that book. I just thought it was an amazing book. There's nothing else I can say about it. Um, Convenience Store Woman, obviously, uh, because I love translated fiction, uh, especially from Japan. And 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, um, because this was the tough one, is that I was like, I need one that both is about the brain, but also like self-improvement, but also maybe history. And maybe it was stolen focus, but 4,000 Weeks I also like got a lot out of. Um... But I just want something in that like self-improvement, nonfiction, but like also based on facts world that which I feel like that book did it for me. Again, it probably could be still in focus. That would that would those would kind of be interchangeable there. Uh, so those are the reasons I picked all this. I'm so surprised. Are you? There's not a single space book on this list. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, there was. There was. And I took it off because. I haven't been reading as many space books as I used to. Like, I haven't read one this year. And I don't know if there there was one on down to earth. I coming back down. Uh, no, I just think, um, I don't know. There's definitely sci-fi, but my sci-fi has been leaning much more towards, like, yeah, Earth-based sci-fi. I still love space books. And they're, I mean, Dead Silence. I almost put Dead Silence on here because it's horror and sci-fi and takes place in space. Yeah. Um, but I only could pick 10. So that was the 10 I chose. Um, uh, okay, what about you? What are your 10? You could squeeze that in there if you want. You could squeeze Dead Silence on that Dead Silence? Dead Silence? All right, I'll I'll squeeze in (laughs) Dead Silence because that was a good one and because it's sci-fi, but it's scary in a way that, like, really, I think, when I read it, I was like, this book was designed for me. Like, everything about it was good. I was blown away by it. I also always think of Six Wakes by Mer Lafferty because it's, like, a... Uh, sci-fi space, but a mystery, and I love—I do love a yeah, mystery. Very, and there's not a mystery on here. Very Bria book. Yeah, it, and there's no—I mean, Southern Book Club is almost a mystery, but yeah, there's not a real mystery in here. Uh, yeah. All right, what about you? What do you got? Uh, well, that was my my only—I'll say that was my only surprise okay. for your list. Okay. Does anything before I go into mine? Does anything on here surprise you? No. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, so my first one is none of, none of these will surprise a single glasser um, my first one's We've Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson 
because she's the queen of my world. <laughs> and I, I, she's my, one of my favorite authors and I just love everything that she writes. I love that kind of very surreal, weird, anxious horror. Um, my second one, I only chose one haunted house book to put on this and boy, mm. was it rough. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I was like, all right, Mallory, you got to have one book to represent all the haunted house books. And I chose White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi. Also because she's one of my favorite authors. I just love her so much. I love this book. I love you. I don't have to tell all of you how much I love haunted house books, but this one's amazing. Uh, I love Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. Um, it's my only short story collection on here uh, just because I love Kelly Link. I love anything that is just very weird and speculative, but also genre defying. And she's the queen of that. Um, also, not a big surprise. I put Priest Daddy mm -hmm. by Patricia Lockwood, not just because it's one of my favorite books, but because I love weird memoirs like this so much. Um, memoirs that are both so powerful but also so fucking funny um and strange and i just love that um i have gulp by mary roach um another one of my favorite authors because i love um weird and curious and funny sci-fi and if i had to pick one author that was the most had the most um effect on me as a writer it would be mary roach for sure um i also put head full of ghosts by paul tremblay um because i just we love paul I love this book. Uh, I think it's a perfect book and it's the kind of horror that I really, really love. Um, I put We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry um, because I love, because I would say this is, this is not a horror book. It's a literary fiction book that is weird. And I love that. I just love things uh, that are just a little strange. Um, and I, It's witchy. It also takes place in Massachusetts and I love a New England book. So this is my New England book on here. Um, I put In the Woods by Tana French because uh, I love really intense, weird, maybe slightly supernatural mysteries and thrillers. Um, I it, This could have been Megan Abbott, but each of them could be in interchangeable. I love them both a lot, but In the Woods by Tana French. Uh, Dig by A.S. King because I love weird YA, uh, and this is the book that really made me love YA, and now I read a ton of it. And uh, Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller um, because I love history and I love weird history and if you read my first book Lady from the Black Lagoon you know how much I love um histories that are also a little bit memoirs and just histories that also show how people now can uh find things in those histories that can show you things about yourself and show you things about the world and like I love that and um so if you added dead silence I will add the one that I just took off it's the witches are coming by Lindy West oh yeah because I love a feminist nonfiction. yeah I love, that's something I think I, both of us love I had Samantha Irby on mine for a while because I was like I do love an essayist that is funny but like and and has pop culture insights that's like definitely something I love uh yeah, I, I probably, there's, like, not enough nonfiction on mine, considering how much nonfiction I actually do read, which is probably, like, one a month or so. But, yeah. Yeah, I think you actually read more nonfiction than I do. Um, well, I've started listening to it, which makes a big difference, and it's a good way yeah. to, like, digest it for me, because I, like, will be, like, cleaning my house, and I listen to a little nonfiction books. Great. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so Lindy West, for sure. Um or, or Samantha Irby, that could have been gone both ways. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I would say, yeah, especially, I, I don't think that these would be the books that would have been what we would would have chosen when we started the show. Right, I agree. Uh, we should do this again and like... Some of them were not out. Right, we should do this again in our 600th, 600th episode. Yes. Or we put it on and our another... challenge next year and just see how it's changed over the course of a year, I mean. Yeah, this would be a fun thing to do every year and kind of see, um, see how it changes and see how... Uh, 
you feel that your book taste reflects who you are. Uh, so big thank you to Glasser Bo who wrote in and got me thinking about this. We did a whole episode about it and now we did this and I think it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your reader question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy who moderates our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy all kinds of cool stuff over at our Void March store. There's totes and stickers and shirts and they all look cool and will make you look hot. Uh, link in the show notes for that and if you like the show and want to do something for free that will really help us out you can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice it is really great for us and helps us reach more listeners you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at readinggpodcast on instagram at readingglassespodcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading.